Grace, mercy, peace. These are our unexpected blessings, our gifts from God, our Father, through Jesus Christ, our Son, because we are His forevermore. Dear Christian friends, two weeks ago we started this series called Reset, all about uh, taking some time to evaluate and recalibrate our hearts and our lives based on God and His Word. And today we're going to take a look at resetting our expectations according to what God has to say to us. And that's an important thing because we all have expectations. And, and those expectations are, are probably more powerful than we actually realize. That's really our big idea for today. It's our first fill-in-the-blank. If you grabbed a worship folder, you can find it on page 10. The big idea is that my expectations shape how I view everything in life. My expectations shape how I view everything in life. Now, I could give you some examples and you would go, oh yeah, that's true. But instead of giving you some examples, let me tell you a story about expectations. One day, a butcher was walk, working in his shop and in walked a dog. And the butcher shooed the dog out of the shop because a butcher shop is no place for a dog. And later that same day, that same dog came walking in again, and this time he put his paws up on the counter and dropped a note out of its mouth onto the counter that said, 12 sausages and one leg of lamb. The butcher was looking at the note, trying to figure out what was going on, and then the dog opened his mouth again, and out fell the money to pay for the meat. The butcher thought, all right, we'll see where this goes. So he packaged up the meat, put it in a bag, held it out, and the dog grabbed it in its mouth, turned around, and walked out the door. And the butcher thought, I've got to see where this goes. This is a pretty amazing dog. And so he hurriedly locked up his shop and walked out and saw the, the dog at the end of the block walking up to the bus stop. And the dog was, was looking at the bus schedule. And pretty soon along came a bus, and the, the dog held up its paw. And the bus pulled over. And the dog went up the stairs onto the bus and used the bus pass clip to its collar and, and boarded the bus. And the butcher thought, this dog is amazing and I'm going to see where this goes. And he boarded the bus. And the dog hopped up on a seat and, and looked intently out the window as the bus drove along. And all of a sudden the dog perked up and it hopped off the seat and went up to the, up to the bus driver and wagged its tail. And the bus driver pulled over to the next bus stop. And everybody on the bus was in awe at this dog. And the dog walked off the bus and the butcher followed. And the dog walked for two blocks and walked up to a, a gate in front of a house, a great big iron gate that had a, a code box. And the dog, using its nose, pushed the right numbers into the code box and the gate swung open and the the butcher was just shocked. And the dog walked up the front walk and, and was headed toward the front door and all of a sudden veered and went around the side of the house. And it scratched at the back door and kind of thumped up against it. And the door opened and the man looked out 
and said, you stupid dog. And the butcher ran up and said, this dog is a genius. I've followed this dog for, for the last half an hour and this dog is the smartest creature on four legs that I have ever seen. Why are you yelling at it and calling it stupid? The man said, because he forgot his key again. Obviously, that's a silly story, right? But it proves a point about expectations. The butcher had very low expectations. Maybe we would say regular expectations for a dog. And and at every turn, the dog far exceeded them. The owner, however, expected that the dog was not only going to do everything the dog did, but that he would also remember his house key. You and I, we have expectations. I'm guessing that your expectations today are probably different from your expectations 12 months ago. I bet 12 months ago you had expectations that at some point during the year you were going to take a trip. You were going to go somewhere. You were going to do something fun. Maybe it was a beach. Maybe it was the mountains. Maybe it was a camp out. And this year maybe you're expecting that you just get through the year that you just actually get to go to school and go to work. Maybe last year you had expectations for you know, a big family gathering. Maybe it was for a, a graduation or a wedding or a, a special anniversary celebration. And this year you're just hoping that you get to see grandma. Maybe even hug a family member or two. Our expectations have had to be reset, recalibrated in the last year, Right? It was actually a lot the same for Jesus' disciples. Those original followers uh, that walked around, listened, learned from Jesus for, for about three years of his earthly ministry. I mean, think of what that was like for them day in and day out to walk with Jesus, to talk with him, learn from him, listen to him teach and preach, and to see him perform miracles that just boggled the mind to heal people that were, had incurable diseases, to give sight back to someone who had never seen, to have people who had never taken a step in their lives, who were paralyzed their entire life, and to see them go skipping down the street after Jesus healed them. Now, things weren't all sunshine and rainbows, right? I mean, there were, shockingly, people that were enemies of Jesus, even though he was perfect and never sinned and and he was God, there were still people who who hated him and were his enemies. But really, during the entire time, entire three years with Jesus, there was almost no instances where those disciples were actually in danger with just a couple of exceptions. And every single time, Jesus rescued them. Peter's mother-in-law was was sick and Jesus healed her. Like this was just an amazing time. Sure, there were some people that that rejected Jesus and there were those that that turned and and walked away from him because they didn't like what he had to say. But all in all, this three years had been just incredible. It had so far exceeded what their expectations might have been like to follow after Jesus. And I bet that they wished that's what the rest of their lives would be like. And I wonder if they even kind of expected that that was going to be the case. 
which is why Jesus had to reset their expectations. Because it was the night that he was going to be arrested. And everything was about to change for them. And so after he had celebrated the Passover and given them this new covenant meal of his very body and blood for the forgiveness of their sins, Jesus spent a chunk of time teaching them. In fact, it's recorded in the Gospel of John, and it's out of the whole 27 chapters in the book, this is three of them. It's a full seventh of the entire book is Jesus talking and resetting expectations for his disciples. He told them, he promised them he was going to send them his Holy Spirit. That they were going to pick up and carry on the ministry that he had begun of proclaiming forgiveness of sins in the name of Jesus. That they were going to have to stay connected to him and to his word, but he was no longer going to be physically present with them. And then he told them, and you're going to be hated. And the reason you're going to be hated is because I'm hated. And, and so people are going to hate you because you are connected to me, to Jesus. In fact, he even went so far as to say people are going to throw you out of the synagogues, out of the churches. And, and, and they would even try to kill you. And if, if they succeeded, they would have thought that they had done something that was good, even God-pleasing. This was so wildly different than everything they had experienced for the last three years. So such a, a tremendous shift in the way that they looked at life and what they expected from life. And that's why Jesus was preparing them for that. Telling them that, that everything was about to change and change drastically, significantly. And right before he ended... This explanation, this uh, telling them what's about to happen, and then prayed for them, he spoke these words from John 16, verse 33. Jesus said, I have told you these things so that in me you, have, you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. I know the disciples needed to hear these words. I know that because Jesus spoke them. I know that we need to hear these words. And I think they're for much the same reason. To reset our expectations. That's why Jesus here, he doesn't speak in a parable, right? He doesn't use figurative language. He's just blunt. Right? I mean, notice what he says. In this world, you will have trouble. Not might, not could, potentially, you will. Now, it really shouldn't surprise us that he would say that, right? I mean, we know this. It shouldn't surprise us, but I think there are times when it does. Maybe you've heard preachers who claim to be Christians and they'll tell you that God just wants good for you, that he wants this life to be nothing but, but health and wealth and prosperity. And it's true, God wants you to have a good life, but, but he also is very honest, very upfront, and he says very clearly, you're going to have trouble. He never promises anything otherwise. In fact, if you wanted a life 
that was free from trouble, you know what you'd, have to, you'd be asking God to do? Take you from this world. Because when Adam and Eve first doubted God and disobeyed him, they sinned, right? And God told them that the consequence for sin was pain and difficulty and problems. Those were things that Adam and Eve before then had never known. But they're the result, the consequence of sin. And ever since then, well, they're the very, very harsh reality. And we, because we are sinful people who, who doubt God and disobey Him, and, and we live in a world where that's just the norm well, that's the reality of our world, isn't it? Pain and problems and sadness and difficulty. See, God never promised a life without those things, not after sin. That's what paradise is, which is what God created and what sin ruined. But God clearly, clearly warns throughout his word over over thousands of years' worth of time, exactly what Jesus said here. That life in this world is going to be tough. It's our first realistic re, uh, reset expectation this morning. That life in this world will have plenty of trouble. Now understand, when Jesus says, you will have trouble, the, the word he uses for trouble, it, it's a Greek word that, that has this picture behind it of, of being pressed down, of being squeezed. I actually, in my head, when I hear that word, I, I tend to think of that scene from Star Wars where they're trying to, to hide and escape and they duck down into the, into the um, tunnel and into that room and the room all of a sudden starts to squished together, right? That's kind of the idea. This closing, everything is closing in and squeezing me and, and creating pressure and it's pressing on me. And maybe you know that feeling when it comes to your finances of feeling squeezed. Maybe you know that feeling when it comes to your health, that there's this constant pressure and pressing down. Maybe that's how you feel with a relationship or with your family that, that there's this pressing and it feels like it might all crumble. Maybe it's your work. Maybe it's a specific temptation that just squeezes you harder than the rest. Maybe it's just the uncertainty of the world that creates this, this pressure on your head and on your heart and you just can't escape it. At some point in our lives, every one of us has, has felt all of those pressures, right? All of those being squeezed by all of those things. But, but I wonder if there's one that maybe lingers for you. One that in particular you, you just can't seem to be free from. That this, this squeezing, this pressure, it just doesn't go away. Sometimes it, it lets up a little bit and then, and then it comes back and it's intense. And you just wish you could be free from it and you aren't. 
And when that happens, I think there's a real temptation to think one of two things. Either that God doesn't love you, or that you are so much more messed up than everybody else. And neither of those things is true. That's why Jesus is is very clear and tells us up front, in this world, you are going to have trouble. You are going to feel the squeeze. That pressure is going to push on you and it's not going to be pleasant. But if you noticed, that wasn't the only thing Jesus said, right? He he told his disciples, I'm telling you, you're going to have trouble so that in me you may have peace. Jesus wanted them to to understand what he was saying. And so maybe to to help us wrap our heads around it, let's, let's think about it like this. You've got this circle, right? And this circle is kind of the the circle of life, so to speak. This is what life is like. It's, as Jesus said, it's got trouble. Problems being squeezed, the pressure, pain, sadness, difficulty, all of it. That's, That's what life is. And then we've got this circle. And inside of that circle in Jesus, well, that's where you have peace. Now, I think that probably... Most of the time, most people think that this is what life then looks like. That that we've got this whole part of life that's trouble and difficulty and pain and all these things and we have to figure out how to handle it. And we've got all this part with Jesus that, you know, it's going to be super peaceful in heaven. That'll all be good. And we'll have some, you know, we finally get some peace when, when the pressure of the situation lets up, when the trouble finally goes away. But, but really, we only have this little bit in the middle that overlaps. That's really the only part in our lives where both trouble and peace coexist at the same time. But that's not actually what Jesus said. I think that's probably what we kind of expect, but that's not reality. In fact, did you hear what Jesus said? He wants you to reset your expectation, which is our, our second expectation today. It's that in Jesus, I have peace, even in times of trouble. I think that this, this diagram kind of shows what most times most people think that looks like. That I have to deal with all of this trouble in life, and then I'll get a little bit of peace after. But really what Jesus wants us to understand is that this is what it looks like. For a Christian who is rooted in what God tells them, who who has their foundation built on the unshakable foundation of Jesus, will we hear him reset our expectation that life is going to bring trouble. And in the midst of all of that, we have peace in him. That it doesn't matter whether the moment is great or terrible, whether it doesn't matter if it's painful or pleasant or pleasurable, we have peace because we are in Jesus. We have peace, not because we're some kind of sickos who enjoy, enjoy pain, not because Jesus spares us from all kinds of trouble, 
It's because what Jesus tells us at the very end of that statement, the the last words he spoke in verse 33, the reason we have peace is because Jesus says, I have overcome the world. Now when Jesus says he's overcome it, please understand what he means. He doesn't mean that like he got to just a high enough level that he was able to get out of it. Or that he was able to to just squeak by. The word Jesus uses to overcome is the word used for victory. It's the Greek word nike or nike. It means to completely defeat your enemies. It is a resounding victory. It is to conquer completely. That's what Jesus did. He has conquered the very thing that causes us pain and difficulty and sadness and suffering. Do you understand what that means? It's really kind of hard because it exceeds our expectations so far. Like, we could understand if God was, you know, this really good God and he said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to help you, like, fix some of the problems in your life, but you're going to have to meet me halfway. We understand that, right? That's, that's probably our normal expectation because that's the way life is. Either fix it yourself or I'll help you part of it, but I'm not going to do all of it. We could maybe even expect that, that you know, some of those some of those things where we've messed up that, that really didn't cause a lot of damage to other people, they weren't really that painful or didn't have a lot of earthly consequences, those are the kinds of things Jesus would say, okay, I'll take care of those. But, but these other ones, you're going to you're gonna have to fix. But that's not what he did. Jesus went to the cross and he took the punishment for the absolute worst things you have ever done in your life. For the worst words you have ever spoken, those most hurtful words, he paid for them. For the most depraved thoughts that have crossed your mind, he suffered for you. Not just, not just the, the little ones, the ones that we think don't matter, the absolute worst ones too. And all of them in between. Now, you will still have to face the consequences, the difficulties of life that are a result of those words, those actions, but you won't face the wrath of God for them because Jesus already did. He took the wrath of God for everything that you have ever thought, said, or done that isn't perfectly in line with what God says. And he suffered and he died and he gave his life and he conquered them. Not like like just a little bit. He conquered them. Complete and utter victory for you. So that you would be absolutely sure there is nothing that stands between you and God. That in this world, even in the midst of trouble, you have peace. See, Jesus has has gone so far beyond what we might expect. 
And so he wants us to reset our expectations of what his forgiveness, what his grace are like, what his mercy and who it's for. It's not for people who act a certain way or people who dress this kind of way or, or think like this or vote like that. His mercy, his undeserved, unexpected love is for every single person. And Jesus wants you to not just know it. Not just like, oh good, now I know that information. He wants you to live it, right? He wants you to not just be like a a timid creature that's always afraid of the trouble that the world brings. That's why, did you catch it? He tells his disciples, take heart, I have overcome the world. Literally, that Greek word is have courage, right? Courage isn't just something like that's in your head. It's not just a, a theoretical thing. Courage is action. And that's how God wants you and me to live. To live boldly because we have peace. It's our last expectation this morning. It's that I have courage to face life because Jesus has overcome the world. Here is why Jesus wants us to reset our expectations. Because we're going to have trouble. There is going to be pain and difficulty and problems and suffering. And he wants you to know it. But he also wants you to be absolutely sure that before and during and after all of them, you have peace. You have peace in him. Because you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that all of those things that you have messed up, that you have done wrong, that you wish you could redo, yeah, it might affect my relationship with other people. It might cause me some, some difficulties at work. It might have some health consequences. But, but not one of them stands between me and God. He wants you to live with a boldness and a courageousness to live for him, not, not afraid of, of the problems of this world, the difficulties that, that may or may not come. But he wants you to live courageously because, well, because your Savior is the King who has conquered and overcome this world. That means there's nothing, nothing that stands between you and an eternity with him. Have that, keep that as your expectation because that's what God truly says for us today and tomorrow and forever. Amen. Amen.